Section 27 of the Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 11. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 11, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. The First Night of the Month When it was eventide, the king caused clear his sitting-chamber, and summoned the wazir, who presented himself, and making his obeisance to the king, kissed ground before him, and related to him the tale of the man of Khorasan, his son and his tutor. There was once a man of Khorasan, and he had a son, whose moral weal he ardently wished. But the young man sought to be alone, and far from the eye of his father, so he might give himself up to pleasuring and pleasance. Accordingly, he sought of his sire leave to make the pilgrimage to the holy house of Allah, and to visit the tomb of the Prophet, whom Allah save and assain. Now between them and Mecca was a journey of five hundred parasangs, but his father could not contrary him, for that the holy law had made pilgrimage incumbent on him, and because of that which he hoped for him of improvement. So he joined unto him a tutor, in whom he trusted, and gave him much money, and took leave of him. The son set out with his governor on a holy pilgrimage, and abode on the like wise, spending freely and using not thrift, also there was in his neighborhood a poor man who had a slave-girl of passing beauty and grace and the youth conceived a desire for her and suffered sore cark and care for the love of her and her loveliness so that he was like to perish for passion and she also loved him with a love yet greater than his love for her accordingly the damsel summoned an old woman who used to visit her and acquainted her with her case, saying, An I foregather not with him, I shall die. The crone promised her that she would do her best to bring her to her desire. So she veiled herself, and repairing to the young man, saluted him with the salam, and acquainted him with the girl's case, saying, Her master is a greedy white so do thou invite him and lure him with lucre and he will sell thee the handmaiden accordingly he made a banquet and standing in the man's way invited him and brought him to his house where they sat down and ate and drank and abode in talk presently the young man said to the other i hear thou hast with thee a slave-girl whom thou desirest to sell but he said, By Allah, O my Lord, I have no mind to sell her. Quoth the youth, I have heard that she cost thee a thousand dinars, and I will give thee six hundred over and above that sum. And quoth the other, I sell her to thee at that price. So they fetched notaries who wrote out the contract of sale, and the young man weighed to the girl's master half the purchase money saying, Let her be with thee till I complete to thee the rest of the price, and take my handmaid. 
the owner consented to this and took of him a written bond for the rest of the money and the girl abode with her master on deposit as for the youth he gave his governor a thousand dirhams and sent him to his sire to fetch money from him so he might pay the rest of the handmaid's price saying to him be not long away but the tutor said in his mind how shall i fare to his father and say to him thy son hath wasted thy money and made love with it with what eye shall i look on him and indeed i am he in whom he confided and to whom he hath entrusted his son verily this were ill read nay i will fare on with this pilgrimage caravan in despite of my fool of a youth and when he is weary of waiting he will demand back his money and return to his father and i shall be quit of travail and trouble so he went on with the pilgrimage caravan and took up his abode there meanwhile the youth tarried expecting his tutor's return but he returned not wherefore concern and chagrin grew upon him because of his mistress and his yearning for her redoubled and he was like to kill himself she became aware of this and sent him a messenger bidding him visit her accordingly he went to her and she questioned him of the case when he told her what was to do of the matter of his tutor and she said to him with me is longing the like of that which is with thee and i doubt me thy messenger hath perished or thy father hath slain him but i will give thee all my jewellery and my dresses and do thou sell them and weigh out the rest of my price and we will go i and thou to thy sire so she handed to him all she had and he sold it and paid the rest of her price after which there remained to him for spending money a hundred dirhams these he spent and lay that night with the damsel in all the light of life and his sprite was like to fly for joy but when he arose in the morning he sat weeping and the damsel said to him what causeth thee to weep said he i know not and my father be dead and he hath none other heir save myself but how shall i get to him seeing i owe not a dirham quoth she i have a bangle sell it and buy seed pearls with the price then round them and fashion them into great unions and thereby thou shalt gain much money with the which we may find our way to thy country so he took the bangle and repairing to a goldsmith said to him break up this bracelet and sell it but he said the king seeketh a perfect bracelet i will go to him and bring thee its price presently he bore the bangle to the sultan and it pleased him greatly by reason of its goodly workmanship then he called an old woman who was in his palace and said to her needs must i have the mistress of this bracelet though but for a single night or i shall die and the old woman replied i will bring her to thee thereupon she donned a devotee's dress and betaking herself to the goldsmith said to him to whom belongeth the bangle which is now with the king and said he it belongeth to a stranger who hath bought him a slave-girl from this city 
and lodge it with her in such a place. Upon this the old woman repaired to the young man's house and knocked at the door. The damsel opened to her, and seeing her clad in devotee's garb, saluted her with the salam, and asked her, saying, Haply thou hast some need of us? Answered the old woman, Yes, I desire a private place where I can perform the wuzu ablution. And quoth the girl, Enter. So she entered, and did her requirement, and made the ablution, and prayed. Then she brought out a rosary, and began to tell her beads thereon, and the damsel said to her, Whence comest thou, O pilgrimess? said she, from visiting the idol of the absent in such a church. There standeth up no woman before him, who hath a distant friend, and discloseth to him her desire, but he acquainteth her with her case, and giveth her news of her absent one. Said the damsel, O pilgrimess, we have an absent one, and my lord's heart cleaveth to him, and I desire to go question the idol of him. Quoth the crone, Do thou wait till to-morrow, and ask leave of thy spouse, and I will come to thee, and fare with thee in weal and welfare. Then she went away, and when the girl's master came, she sought his permission to go with the old trot, and he gave her leave. So the beldame came, and took her and carried her to the king's door, she unknowing whither she went. The damsel entered with her, and beheld a goodly house and decorated apartments which were no idol's chamber. Then came the king, and seeing her beauty and loveliness, went up to her to buss her, whereupon she fell down in a fainting fit and struck out with her hands and feet. When he saw this, he held aloof from her in ruth and left her, but the matter was grievous to her, and she refused meat and drink, and as often as the king drew near to her, she fled from him in fear. So he swore by Allah that he would not approach her save with her consent, and fell to presenting her with ornaments and raiment. But her aversion to him only increased. Meanwhile, the youth, her master, abode expecting her, but she returned not, and his heart already tasted the bitter draught of separation. So he went forth at haphazard, distracted, and knowing not what he should do, and began strewing dust upon his head, and crying out, The old woman hath taken her and gone away. The little boys followed him with stones and pelted him, crying, A madman, a madman. Presently, the king's chamberlain, who was a personage of years and worth, met him, and when he saw this youth, he forbade the boys and drave them away from him, after which he accosted him and asked him of his affair. So he told him his tale, and the chamberlain said to him, Fear not, I will deliver thy slave-girl for thee, so calm thy concern. And he went on to speak him fair and comfort him, till he had firm reliance on his word. Then he carried him to his home, and stripping him of his clothes, clad him in rags, after which he called an old woman, who was his housekeeper, and said to her, Take this youth, 
and bind on his neck yon iron chains and go round about with him in all the great thoroughfares of the city and when thou hast done this go up with him to the palace of the king and he said to the youth in whatsoever stead thou seest the damsel speak not a syllable but acquaint me with her place and thou shalt owe her deliverance to none save to me the youth thanked him and went with the old woman in such fashion as the chamberlain bade him she fared on with him till they entered the city and walked all about it after which she went up to the palace of the king and fell to saying o fortune's favourites look on a youth whom the devils take twice in the day and pray to be preserved from such affliction and she ceased not to go round with him till she came to the eastern wing of the palace whereupon the slave-girls hurried out to look upon him and when they saw him they were amazed at his beauty and loveliness and wept for him then they informed the damsel who came forth and considered him and knew him not but he knew her so he drooped his head and shed tears she was moved to pity for him and gave him somewhat and went back to her place whilst the youth returned with the housekeeper to the chamberlain and told him that she was in the king's mansion whereat he was chagrined and said by allah i will assuredly devise a device for her and deliver her whereupon the youth kissed his hands and feet then he turned to the old woman and bade her change her habit and her semblance now this ancient dame was sweet of speech and winsome of wit so he gave her costly and delicious otters and said to her get thee to the king's slave-girls and sell them these essences and win thy way to the damsel and ask her if she desire her master or not so the old woman went out and making her way to the palace went in to the handmaid and drew near her and recited these couplets allah preserve our union days and their delights ah me how sweet was life how joys were ever new may he not be who cursed us twain with parting day how many a bone he break how many a life he slew he shed my faultless tear-floats and my sinless blood and beggaring me of love himself no richer grew when the damsel heard the old woman's verses she wept till her clothes were drenched and drew near the speaker who asked her knowest thou such a one and she wept and answered he is my lord whence knowest thou him rejoined the old woman o my lady sawest thou not the madman who came hither yesterday with the old woman he was thy lord presently adding but this is no time for talk when tis night get thee to the top of the palace and wait on the terrace till thy lord come to thee and compass thy deliverance then she gave her what she would of perfumes and returning to the chamberlain acquainted him with what so had passed and he told the youth now as soon as it was evening the chamberlain bade bring two hackneys and great store of water and provence and a riding-camel and a fellow to show them the way these he ambushed without the town 
whilst he and the young man, taking with them a long rope, made fast to a staple, went and stood below the palace. When as they came thither, they looked, and behold, the damsel was standing on the terrace roof, so they threw her the rope and the staple, which she made fast, and tucking up her sleeves above her wrists, slid down and landed with them. They carried her without the town, where they mounted, she and her lord, and fared on, with the guide in front directing them on the way, and they ceased not fairy night and day till they entered his father's house. The young man greeted his sire, who was gladdened in him, and to whom he related all that had befallen him, whereupon he rejoiced in his safety. As for the tutor, he wasted whatso was with him, and returned to the city, where he saw the youth and excused himself. Then he questioned him of what had betided him, and he told him, whereat he admired and returned to companionship with him. But the youth ceased to have regard for him, and gave him nor sold nor ration as was his wont, neither discovered to him aught of his secrets. When the tutor saw that there was no profit from him, he returned to the king, the ravisher of the slave-girl, and recounted to him what the chamberlain had done, and counselled him to slay that official, and egged him on to recover the damsel, promising to give his friend a poison draught in return. Accordingly, the king sent for the chamberlain, and chid him for the deed he had done, whereat the king's servants incontinently fell upon the chamberlain, and put him to death. Meanwhile the tutor returned to the youth, who asked him of his absence, and he told him that he had been in the city of the king who had taken the slave-girl. When the youth heard this, he misdoubted of his governor, and never again trusted him in anything, but was always on his guard against him. Then the tutor, without stay or delay, caused prepare great store of sweetmeats, and put in them deadly poison, and presented them to the youth, who, when he saw those sweetmeats, said to himself, This is an extraordinary thing of the tutor. Needs must there be in this sweetmeat some mischief, and I will make proof of his confectionery upon himself. Accordingly he got ready food, and set amongst it a portion of the sweetmeat, and inviting the governor to his house, placed the provant before him. He ate, and amongst the rest which they brought him, the poisoned sweetmeat. So, while in the act of eating, he died, whereby the youth knew that this was a plot against himself, and said, Whoso seeketh his fortune by his own force attaineth a failure. Nor, continued the vizier, is this, O king of the age, stranger than the story of the druggist and his wife and the singer. When King Shabakht heard the tale of Al-Ghavan, he gave him leave to withdraw to his own house, and he tarried there the rest of the night, and the next day, till eventide evened. End of section 27 Recording by phone